Welcome to the Yoga Connection with Zorananda. The Yoga Connection is a deep dive into everything yoga. Follow along with Zorananda and his guests as they discuss yoga history, spirituality, different practices, and the many misconceptions that have followed along throughout the years of yogic tradition. Welcome to the Yoga Connection. My name is Zorananda, and I am joined today with my music producer and mentor, John Atonic. He's uh, owner of Soundhouse Productions, where he's a music producer, licensor, publisher, and a just a wizard guitarist. So. Today, we're fully set up after an hour plus tinkering and making sure that we can have all of our mics set up and guitars set up. So, not only are we going to talk about life and yoga and spiritual practices, um, we're going to talk about music and we're going to play some music as well, just improv and kind of pick apart what we're doing and go on a journey with it so yeah thanks uh, Zoran for having me it's my pleasure to be here today it's my pleasure too in your own house uh-huh. <laughs> in your awesome studio where all this can happen yeah well, like Zoran said it was quite a challenge getting everything set up because we haven't done this at my place I should have just went to his place where everything was set up ready ready to do it but uh, <laughs> we decided we wanted to do it in my studio so here we are. Yeah. Um, it just makes setting up with the guitars easier. So you have like the mixing board. You have everything. And um, yeah. So, you know, this conversation is going to be free flow to a degree of not really planning anything, but just having a good idea of um, just what is going to come through inspirationally. So, um, being, this is the yoga connection. Um, you know, some of the questions that I'll ask my guests is like, you know, what is your practice? Do you have a spiritual practice and you know, how'd you get into it? And I think there is an episode with John, uh, that we did a couple of years ago now. And, um, so, we did go into uh, a lot of stuff there, but um, yeah, there are some new things that you're into. So yeah, like, uh, as far as uh, going back into thinking about yoga, I used to practice yoga quite uh, diligently in my early twenties, and for some time, and never really kept it up. Uh, after that, it was uh, certainly um, beneficial health-wise for me. But recently, over the past uh, 10 years, focusing more, and before that, got into more into weightlifting and, and getting myself strong, because I've always been, like, you know, a really weak <laughs> a pussy. You know, yeah. like, and like- And just wanting to have some strength uh 
so that, that's been my main focus over the past few years. Uh, I've increased my strength quite a bit, lifting weights and, and trying different types of systems of weight training. I discovered a, a breathing, a breathing uh, technique that uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, it's all about how, how you can be more CO2 tolerant and how to deal with stress. And the guy who teaches this, it's a website called shiftadapt.com, shiftadapt.com. And he has this, uh, he trains a, a lot of like mixed martial artists and things like that. And, and since uh, over the years I've been studying uh, uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu, which I find very interesting and along that, with that, along, uh, some Qigong that I do as well. And the emphasis on the Wing Chun is really not about stretching and how, how high you can kick or anything like that. It's all about like close quarters, combat, and self-defense. So the how the breathing techniques work in with that, there's several different ways that I, that I practice. Uh, first, as far as the concept goes, uh, the gears, five gears of breathing. So when you're engaged in some kind of activity. This is what the, uh, a lot of the mixed martial arts artists uh, that he trains do when they're, when they're fighting. <clears throat> so the five gears are basically the first gears you're breathing in with your nose and out with your mouth. And you're basically at a state of rest. Gear number two is where you're taking sharp increases through your nose like and then breathing out through your nose again. As you, your aerobic activity increases, then you need to, to go to the next gear. So the next gear is sharp increase through your nose, and then a sharp exhale through the nose again. So it's, so that would be gear, gear number three. As your aerobic continues to increase, then the next gear is sharp increase through the nose, and then a hard exhale through the mouth and then the, the last final gear is inhale through the mouth and exhale through the mouth when you're at that point you're almost totally exhausted and it's when you're in, in the fighting uh arena when you notice your opponent is now doing that is in gear five that's the time to attack because they are mm. they they are they have exhausted their their uh, aerobic capacity at that point and they can't they can't uh, deal with the CO2 anymore. So, so when you get to gear five, you need to try to get back to gear one as fast as possible. So if you're at gear five, you want to try to avoid your opponent and try to, you know, to back off and try to uh, uh, get back to that gear number one where you're back to a neutral cardio. Uh, and uh <clears throat> For the sake of clarity, I'm not into mixed martial arts fighting. <laughs> this is I'm just a, a show, a, giving an example of how how this is used, and how I apply that into my training is is very similar. Like when I'm working on my my wooden dummy techniques, I'll, I'll just go to an extreme level of repeating certain moves on that dummy. Or if I'm doing a weight drifting, weightlifting, and I'm doing a bench press or whatever. And, I, and I'm noticing going up through the gears of, of breathing, I'll push it up to, to where now I'm at gear five, and that's pretty much where I've 
trained to the point of failure and then it's like okay now now you can stop so and in doing that it, i seem to be able to go further in in my uh cardio uh extreme than i than i had been before realizing uh, learning these new techniques so it's really helpful in <clears throat> in going past certain uh, like plat plateaus in your trainings. The other way I use it is, uh, it, which is a, another idea that they incorporate into that uh, breathing, where they call uh, um, uh, pattern breathing. So, so for example, and and I use this in the morning and at night as I'm lying in bed to to relax and calm down. And and the way that works is it's a simple. If you go onto their website, you'll, there's a test you can do to see, okay, what, what, where would you start? So the test I did, I would start at seven, the count of seven. So I, I made a little clock ticker on my, on my uh, mobile app, and I just start the ticker. So every tick is a second. So breathe in for seven seconds, hold it for seven seconds, breathe out for seven seconds, hold it for seven seconds, and then repeat. And once you get good at whatever level you're starting at, then you increase it to, okay, now I'm breathing in for 10 seconds, hold for 10, breathe out for 10, hold for 10. So that's called the uh, <clears throat> uh, w one of the ways to do that breathing exercise and to help you, your body, uh, deal with CO2. It's, it's, again, part of CO2 tolerance. The more we can tolerate CO2, the better we are at aerobic extreme aerobic uh, intense activities and this is also something they train uh, deep uh, sea divers and to to be able to train them to, to handle the co2 so they can dive deeper and stay underwater longer under high pressure diving uh, like these high pressure diving suits that they yeah. wear and uh, which is interesting as well so uh, you know uh, aside from from trying to have a positive attitude in my daily life and and try to you know kind of be focused on okay what's my goal for this year now we're in a new year but at the same time don't get so uh, hyped up on the goal because uh, again it's the processes that you need to do to, to achieve those goals is where you want to get the the, the mm -hmm. dopamine effect you don't want just to you know i made new resolutions this year and and I'm going to do all this, and I feel so excited about it, and rah, 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 you know, like I've just been a Tony Robbins uh, program. And then, I, you know, after a week of working out at the gym, it's like, oh, I'm too tired now. I don't want to do it because now, you know, you've given yourself the dopamine reward before you've even started on the process of accomplishing that reward. Yeah. So we have, to, we have to get to the point of, and I'm talking to myself here, that of, Let's find that dopamine reward in the process of doing the things that we need to do. That yeah. Sometimes there are things we don't want to do or things that are painful to do, but we, we still have to give ourselves that reward in the process of doing those things. Like, yeah, it's bloody well hard to do uh, squat, you know, 50 squats with, you know, whatever amount of weight you're using or how many reps you need to do to get there. Uh, you know, and, and by the end of the first set, you're just fucking, I'm done, man. But well, no. I was just thinking too, like when people hear about breathing techniques and they hear like, oh, deep sea water divers are, you know, like they're doing things to like 
control the autonomic signaling from the brain that the body has too much co2 in it so that's what's really happening right like the body is signaling you have a critical amount of co2 but it's not right you can change the signaling by utilizing these breathing techniques but then people are going to ask themselves well i don't deep sea dive i don't I'm not in a UFC fighter. I'm not doing extreme things. I'm just, I work in an office, you know, like I work at the grocery store. I just do normal things. But to look at what capacity we all have to deal with stress, that technique is going to work regardless. So even if you just have a normal life where, you know, like you're not doing anything extreme, but you're still going to run into problems. You're still going to have stressors. You know, you're going to be in traffic and someone cuts you off and you almost get into an accident and you're like, and you're just breathing erratically because you're just so angry that this technique, you can map where you've suddenly jumped to in the gears. You can be like, right. oh my God, I'm in gear three suddenly. Okay, I got to get back to gear one, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like, and you're utilizing it. So that's my approach with how to adapt like a spiritual practice in where it's not about pushing to an extreme, right? It's just you're a normal person in your life. How do you, how can you then utilize it for the normal things that happen? You know? Yeah. And I think people look at spiritual practices and they have some end goal in mind as to, yeah, it's after doing this for 20 years, I'll reach some state of enlightenment. Well, again, you're, you're setting yourself up for, because way back in the, my early 20s, I, I joined a cult and learned a meditation and, and all this stuff. I joined the wrong cult, by the way. I should have went with Ram Das because that was all about, you know, sex and, and orgies and stuff. But <laughs> anyway, I joined the cult where you had to uh, ch- poverty, chastity, and obedience, you know. And and uh, uh, what was I think I, I just kind of went blank there. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, Oh, um, just like living oh, yeah. a normal life and so like you, you adopting have, spirituality. Yeah, and so you have this goal like, yeah, if I keep doing this meditation and whatever, these four techniques, I'm going to uh, become enlightened, you know, in 20, 30 years or whatever. And it's like, and, you know, for so many people, that doesn't happen. Like, what is enlightenment anyway? Like, that's a good question. And my answer to that would be, well, enlightenment is just knowing who you are. Like, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, knowing how you mm-hmm. self-sabotage yourself, knowing how, how, you, how you obsess over things. Like, just knowing who you are as a total person and, and trying to make the best of that. Like, how much more enlightened can you be? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of can't help but put stark expectations on ourselves and i think that's what drives us into extremes so even in if you're a chess player if you're a mathematician if you are um a home builder like it doesn't matter there's this impetus to like take it to the greatest level right and some people just don't have that and so when they look at spirituality you either have the group of people who take it and just cherry pick the things that they want just for the convenience of where they're at in their life. And then, and then that's it. 
And then you have the people who just will go to an extreme and they'll seek out what enlightenment is at any cost, right? And then yeah, and and either of those is fine. There's nothing. Yeah, we're not knocking either of those approaches, but same time, it's like, what are your expectations? And and in the process of doing either one of those, what are you learning from it? Yeah, and so I think that goes into then like um, these these practices and these say for. Uh, for example, just like breathing techniques, that you can utilize the techniques and actually go into a profound depth within them without going to extreme of changing your life. And I think this is what people are put off, is that, especially with social media, there are so many like spiritual influencers, and they have all these offerings. And they have retreats, they have festivals, they have workshops, they have seminars, you know. And so, like, um, I think it can be intimidating to look at just your normal life and then to look at this person who's telling you that your normal life isn't the life that you want, you know. And then they'll say, okay, if you do these practices and you do this work with me, I will get you to let go of that life and to like level up into something greater than you are. Right. And, but when you actually look into yoga, like there's nothing that says that in yoga, like actually like yoga doesn't say that like yoga is like, just do the practice. It doesn't say, Oh, like it'll, say that there are results of like nirvana but it's not telling you that you have to abandon everything in order to get nirvana yeah right? live in that poverty chastity obedience and live in an ashram and give up everything or go up up on a mountain like that yeah it reminds me of a, a, another <laughs> funny thing i saw just a, a few days ago uh on instagram a, a guy was uh promoting this he was standing underneath a, a little something that was pouring water on his head and he's saying how how yeah by pouring water over your head opens up the crown chakra and i'm like <laughs> okay yeah sure like uh, and how did you come to that conclusion and i'm and i'm thinking like yeah okay so if i pour water you know get get my uh, my what was it the shower head in my shower and squirt it up my butt is that going to open up my kundalini like mm -hmm. kundalini is going to explode to the moon like yeah and then, like mean, everybody who showers every day and they're like i've had water pouring on my head every day yeah you think 20 the, minutes a you, day you think people you think <laughs> masses like, would be enlightened now because yeah. their crown chakra you know got opened up having showers yeah. every day but you know it's things like that where you gotta like question everything is, is yeah. my my philosophy so the thing i want to be clear on so like in yoga there's an obvious thing of like to to get to the depths of meditation there is a level of renunciation right but that stuff was written at a time from a whole other world right india right mm -hmm. and so their caste system and their society was built up so that you don't run off into the cave and you don't run off into the jungles when you're 16 because you can't fit in to the world, you know? And so uh, how their system is set up is like you start as a student, 
then you're into business and work, then you're into family, then you go into asceticism. So you like fulfill the contract of your life as a human. And then there's a point where you've done all that. So then you go. But now we're in a totally different era where we're receiving this information that was kept secret. So a lot of what we know about yoga and spirituality and occultism a thousand years ago, that was all secret. The yogis didn't have anything written down. It was all mm-hmm. verbal. And it was only within small groups of disciples that, like, the master handpicked, you know? And so to have to live in an era where you have the internet and you have access to all of it shows the shift that you can live in the world and you can have the spirituality at any point and you can work on your spirituality without leaving the world now. Mm-hmm. That it's not it's not set up that way. And, um, and so when you have people on social media that are coming up with all these new things and they're telling you that you, your nine to five job is a waste of time. You should be getting into crypto. You should be getting into, um, Amazon selling. You should be getting into blah, 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 blah. Right. 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 It's only, to bolster them up. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and just sign up for my course yeah, and pay me and, and the I'll thing show is, you how to do all that. There are people who are authentic and they do have great courses and they're creating a really good community. But where I kind of like, um, like butt heads is like, okay, I'll do your course, but I don't want to be told I, I should quit my job now. Like, I don't want to be told that I need to move to this city because that's where everything is happening. You know, like with the Internet and with the technology, I can do everything from here. Like, I don't need to leave anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to jeopardize, you know, connections with family. And so it like there's this back and forth of like, well, there are people in the world who don't have family. They don't have brothers and sisters they don't have parents they don't have nieces and nephews you know like it's just them and their girlfriend and so the appeal to quit everything and just move is so much stronger because you don't you're not accountable to anybody right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when you're accountable to people where uh, what i lean into is like well i'm not doing that i'm not leaving and living in bali i'm not living in i'm just in fucking edmonton alberta where it's cold as shit. <laughs> but I have accountability to family and friends and I love it here. And so I would rather appeal and say, Hey, I use my spiritual practice to ground me where I am right here. And so you can do that too. And you can see how, when you adopt these breathing techniques and you do it from where you are, do you just start where you are? You'll see how it affects everything around you. Because it mm-hmm. starts to change your presence, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying everybody should go to shiftedat.com and do the techniques I'm talking about. There's all kinds of you know other techniques you can do. Yeah. You, Zoran has shown me some other amazing techniques that w- we did for a while uh, that are totally different, but probably end up with the, s- the same result in the end. You yeah. know? So there's not just one way to do that. Just the way I... And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do some of those techniques as well. Like I, f- I forget what you call them, but... There's one yeah, where they're you, you, wordy. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's all Sanskrit, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and you know, it reminds me of uh, I recently uh, pulled out some old cover songs that I used to perform uh, 
on just me and my guitar and singing. And uh, the U2 so song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, was one of them. And I, I just looked up the, the video for that, the original video for that. And and I and I didn't, didn't really occur to me when I first saw that video, but when I saw it again just recently, it was like the whole video was filmed in, in, L, in Las Vegas inside a casino and outside on the street too as well. And and you got it. And I, I just had to think, God, you're, you're singing a song about I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And you're in a casino like, dude, you're not going to find it in a casino. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I just thought that was funny that why they chose that yeah. setting for that song, you know, where the opening line is I've climbed mountains and all that, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I kind of diverge from from that. Um, so yeah, any other question that you got for me? Um, yeah, um, I think let's, uh, start getting into music stuff. Um, sure, sure. yeah. So for the last, like, yeah, for the last two years, yeah, we wrapped up an album and, um, it's in the last kind of stage of mixing and mastering. Um. Oh, what do I want to get at here? Um. Oh, yeah, man. it's been a long process, um, yeah. and our our release uh, strategy is not to release the whole. It's not actually a full album. It's like an EP, like six songs not to release them all at once because unless you're a, a real high profile artist uh, you don't want to be releasing albums as as a kind of an independent new newcomer on the block sort of thing because people's attention span is the reason why because if you release a, you know six songs all at once like you're not giving them anything to like look forward to if they like one song right if you release mm. one song at a time let's say once uh, one song every month or so then then uh, if they really like what what they hear then and you know you'll say well another one's coming out soon you'll you'll keep up with uh, you know the newsletter and uh, they'll look forward to hearing the next song yeah. right instead of just dumping a whole bunch of this on them and then they don't even listen to all six right off the bat if they don't like the first one that they they listen to or yeah. something like that, right? So, it, and it's not something I I invented. Uh, you know, I took that from other pr professional producers' uh, advice of yeah. for new independent artists. Like, and it's just the way of the market, right? Right, and, with social media and streaming, right? And plus, to do a whole album, to release a whole album at once, I mean it's going to cost you a lot of money too. Yeah. Like if you just work on one song at a time from start to finish, get it done. And, and you, you know, if you're working with a good producer and you know what you want, you've already uh, got a good, a good scratch track that you recorded on your, your guitar or your piano with your vocal to give to your producer. And you've written out a chart. If you, if you don't know how to do a chart, learn how to write charts and you come, yeah. you come with that to your producer and, it'll speed up the the process way more so you need to learn how to do as much of the pre-production which is you know the what the chord progression is what what your guitar part's going to do maybe and it doesn't even have to be well this is the final guitar part it could just be strumming 
the basic yeah. chords of the song, but for sure to nail down what's the lyrics, what's the melody, how you're singing it, yeah, and really get that nailed down before you go into the studio because you don't, you know, you're get the, when you're in the studio, there's a whole new pressure there, especially yeah. when you're paying by the hour to be there. Oh yeah, and you want to be totally prepared to go in there, otherwise, uh, the the pressure of oh this cost me money and and then you're not totally prepared and what you want to do. Um, it, it's, it's yeah, and John's saying this because of experience, yeah, because of the yeah. last two years of me showing up, and then John being like, "Okay, what do you have prepared?" <laughs> and I'll be like, "I don't have shit prepared. We're gonna make it on the spot." And then yeah. you just shake his head and be like, "Okay, well, let's do it." And then it would work out, and then we'd yeah. laugh about it because yeah. like guitar solos or yeah, the vocal part, like out of everything, the vocals was the hardest right. for sure. And it's also other artists I've worked with who you know they come in, they're just not ready, and I'm like. Yeah. Uh, no, let's... Well, uh, that's what happened, because, like, I pitched the idea, and you're like, okay, well, let's test it out right now. And you put me on the spot, and you're like, you're not even ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. need, like... And that was two years ago, like, almost three years ago. And you even said, you're like, it's going to take three to five years, right? And so the last two years now, like, going to the third year is, like, has been a journey, because all of that motivated me and pushed me to grow and learn and to like figure out what was like wrong you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. to actually problem solve and to come up with solutions of like okay why can't I hear the the different pitches and tones like why is it hard for me to reproduce sounds on the spot like and it's just a you know combinations of like my brain and just learning new things, right? And drilling and like and practicing. So when I think about everything that we've recorded and where my voice is now, I'm like, I I wish we could re-record everything. But we can't, right? You just <laughs> yeah, gotta move and, forward, and, right? And that's the thing too. Like have you having not have been a vocalist ever? Yeah. All of a sudden, now writing vocal material and learning how to sing. That's you're in a quite a different place than someone who, let's say, has the natural ear to, to pick up, you know, since they were a little kid and yeah. ha- had been singing in, in school or in church or whatever to their favorite pop songs and maybe has almost perfect pitch and just, like, is, yeah. is crazy, has, you know, crazy talent to begin with. Not saying you're not crazy talented. Uh, and and f- for them to... Well, like, it's it's subjective, right? Like, yeah. my talent is in guitar because that's what I did. I spent 20 years playing guitar, right? And so, um, and the way that I approached it was like, well, for me, it develops a story, right? Where like, yeah, I could have been that kid that was put into choir because I went into choir when I was like in grade four, mm-hmm, you know, like six, mm-hmm. eight, but I did it for a couple of years and then you know, became a stoner. (laughs) So, um, but like, it's, you know, instead of being that kid that was like put into everything and to have like developed a perfect sound by the time I'm like 14, but then who am I going to sound like? I'm going to sound like fucking everybody. You know, I'm going to have like that Jason Mraz voice, you know, I'm going to have that pop rock voice. And so I think what is unique in my story is, um, coming at it at a later time where I'm developing my voice in like 
through the roughness, you know, mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the like the hardship of like literally retraining the muscles rather than when you're a kid and you're you're so malleable that it's just like you know you can like i was playing guitar at um my brother's house and with my niece and she's five years old and i'm playing and i'm like and i'm like let's just make something up and we just pick random words and we're like singing and she just is getting it immediately and she's yep. not even trying, and she's yep. like, eh, you know, like she's singing like with what I'm playing, and it sounds so good. Yeah, like because I mean, music is just another language, and yeah. you know, as we all know, we can learn three or four different languages when we're between the age of two and five, no problem. And yeah. music is one of those. And when yeah. when you're and I, I didn't start learning that language till I was a teenager, really. Yeah, me too. But uh, but yeah. yeah, you're in a diff- totally different starting place than someone who's who's who yeah. started at two or four or five or whatever and has been singing for 20 years and that, yeah. now picked up the guitar and wrote some songs and now wants to go record. Like, they are so much farther ahead than yeah. than you and I could ever be. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, and that's why I felt um, like my time with you is um, like a mentorship too, right? Like, I'm learning so much from you. And then f- to have someone be like, no, you're not ready, and then to face that. You know, because a lot of people would give up and they'd be like, fuck you. And then they'd leave. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But like to hear that and to be like, OK, I need to make a choice here and I want to keep going. So I have to take what you're saying and not take it personally and to do something with it. And so then there's like what you're saying earlier with the dopamine. Right. Now because I made that choice. I have to take vocal lessons. I have to sing every day. I have to do exercises. When I am learning a song and I nail it, I get this huge dopamine rush and it's like, man, I feel so good. And it, and it solidifies the connection because now things have clicked where like, if I'm playing and I'm just humming along, I'm just staying in key. Like I'm not having to think about it, you know, like my, like the muscle memory is there and I can just like sing basic notes. Right. Um, and so what I found is like over, cause we've been working together for like five years now or more and like getting into year six. And so, um, there's things that I've like picked up along the way of, um, uh, not only like challenging myself to sing, but then also how I'm writing you know, and how I'm showing up because yeah, there'd be times where I'm like, no, I don't have any lyrics. We're going to make it up on the spot. And then now I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. We have to have a system where I show up with the full song and ideally with the scratch track already recorded. And then we're, we're working on it from there. And so I've taken all of that into consideration of like, even you telling me, Hey, Start with the basic chords. What are the four chords you're going to use? What are the three chords you're going to use basically throughout the song? Write the lyrics and the melodies from the, like from there. And, um, and I've been doing that. And so the l- newest song that I just wrote feels the best. Hmm. Like, I don't think it's my best song out of all the ones that we've done. Because the ones that we've done, I think like, I think some of them are just better. But 
lyrically and how I feel singing it, like there's so much more ease. Like when I wrote the lyrics, when I wrote the guitar parts, and when I started singing with the guitar parts, the melody just just came, like came out. Like I didn't have to think, okay, well, I'm playing this chord and this chord. I it was just so much more intuitively felt that I would sing and I'd be like, oh, okay, so if I'm going from like C to whatever um, D seventh, um, I'm gonna sing this note and this note because it fits. Mm-hmm. in those right i'm already hearing it i'm not having to like Ooh, like it used to take so long for me to think and to like process it but now it's like oh yeah that note and that note okay move on yeah and, and for songwriters singers out there who like okay well where where would i start uh, my melody like okay let's say you know for simplicity sake playing a c chord okay well you've got three choices the strongest starting point is the actual C note, the root of the chord, right? Yeah. La, I saw you today. And then I went up to the next melody, a chord note, right? So, or you could start on the, the E, which would be the third. I saw you today, right? Yeah. Or you could start on the G, which is the next. I saw you today, right? So you've got your basic triad mm-hmm. one three five pick one of those to start on yeah and see where it goes and and if your next chord is going to be a g i saw you today you look so beautiful go to another chord tone to the next chord uh tone yeah. that's the next that's the next note closest to the note you just ended on on the first chord, you know that those kind of ideas. Like keep it simple, yeah. Because what do you hear most music that's that's popular? Is it so simple? Yeah. Uh, a lot of melodies are just. You look so hot in that bikini, you know, like it's just so stupid simple. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit, but still, it's like you get the point. Start out really simple. You can always uh, embellish your melodies once you get in the studio and you experiment a little bit. Yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Even like, um, once we have all these songs kind of wrapped up, mixed and mastered. And in the line of like promoting and like the kind of like the machine is going right. That when we start working on the next song, um, I already have it fully done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once we have it up, then when we listen to it, then yeah, we go in, Oh, maybe it'll sound with like, it'll sound cool with this little riff in here. And like, well, what if we took this out and put this instead? Um, then it's, you have the time to do that stuff rather than the way that we did. It was like, by the time we got to editing it, it was like, fuck, we've worked on this song for like months, you know, it seems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And so having like the time restraint of like, okay, you know, we have a month to do this. We have 20 hours. We'll have the month to do it. You know, let's rock it out. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like almost like an assembly line for music. You know, and like you have your time, um, it's slotted out. It's and, um, but what I did like is in the moment, inspiration and spontaneity. Like that's what I loved is when I would show up, and 
um, we'd be listening to it and like we'd work out the solo in the spot and then it'd, it'd work and it would sound really good, right? Like I like that element too. So as much as I'm like, okay, here's like the skeleton of it, here's like the basic of it. Now, like, where is there room for improvisation? Oh, and for sure, that that has to be a part of the production as well. Yeah, uh, is that even with you know singing vocals or doing guitar solos or whatever, little things, mistakes happen, and sometimes, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but it sounds fucking great. Yeah, and that's a wrap. You know, yeah. we're keeping that. And even like um, this new song that I just wrote over the last like week, um, there's a couple spots that I just don't know. I'm like, I'm going from a, a D, like I'm ending on a D, and I have to get back to A minor, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty, that like, it's a pretty big jump going back, right? Like you want, and so when I think about, and it's from basically the end of the chorus into the next verse, it's like that's where you provide space, and then that's where you add flavoring to lead from the D back to the A minor, right? And so if it's just by itself, right? Like, um, especially well, a, with like, especially with the lyrics and everything, like it's a total vibe change, but you can have a little bit of phrasing that like links the vibe chain of like mm-hmm. what the chorus sounded like, how it's like has more energy and then how it comes back to the, Verse, where it's just going to be like slower and more melodic, right? Or, or maybe in that case, since we're in an A minor, going from a D to an A minor is a four-one cadence. Yeah, yeah. And m- maybe it, in context of the song, I haven't heard it yet. It doesn't sound really that cool. Maybe you want to use a different chord going f- as a passing chord after the D. Like, for example, maybe. Like yeah, or something like that, going up to an E seven or or some kind of altered E. Yeah, and that could be a second guitar, right? Yeah, like that, like that w- might not even be what I'm doing, right? But it's something that's in there that's like kind of f- that flavors it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to, uh, I want to just clarify a little bit more about how Zoran and his production process works, and that he doesn't have a band. Which ha- uh, trying to do this with a band, it, it just creates it, it adds just a whole nother level of complexity and problems. Oh yeah. When you let's say even just with a three-piece band, uh, a bass, uh, drums, guitar, and one of them is singing, for example. Uh, again, the band has to come prepared to know their parts and to have the song pre-produced as much as possible. And even probably maybe even a demo recording for the producer to listen to to see okay what are they going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, in Zoran's like and I's case, uh, since there's no band, it's it's I'm I'm acting as the band as well. So we we I get a, stra- a scratch track and then from the scratch track, uh, I'll do a MIDI chart and do a basic MIDI drum beat to to his his scratch track. And it'll just be a basic drum beat, nothing fancy, no big fills or solos or anything, just, you know, basic drum beat to keep the time. And, and basically to, you know, maybe it'll be a, a two-bar drum pattern just to create, like, okay, what kind of groove are we going for? And we'll, and we'll decide on that. And then once that's done, just copy-paste, copy-paste, two-bar pattern. And that's it for the drums for now. And that should take, you know, no more than an hour to do. 
then I add a, a scratch bass, MIDI bass track to that. So I know the chords and then I'll, I'll come up with a bass track that kind of, you know, that, that doesn't get in the way of the vocal line or stuff like that. Something that, and that's the thing you always got to keep in, in mind with uh, uh, parts getting in the way of the vocals. Like if there's, a, you know, a vocal part, uh, you don't want to have this guitar doing a bunch of soloing yeah. stuff while the vocal guy's singing. Like, you know. That. And we ran through those, like, lots with <clears throat> these songs, right? Because <clears throat> I'd come up with this riff and then we'd put the vocals on and then, like, you have to remove your ego in it and be like well something has to change like either and it's usually the guitar it's usually that can't be in here while the vocals are going mm -hmm. and, and sometimes the most powerful uh, way to to arrange a vocal is where there's virtually nothing else going on just like maybe even just a drum and a bass and the vocal starts with mm -hmm. just a drum and a bass and the, and and maybe you've got a guitar in the background doing a simple chord or something like that and uh and then you know building it up to that but getting back to what i was saying about our uh, you know our, my role as a producer is also to uh come up with the arrangement you know once i know if 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 an artist has a, a reference track of, of a famous band that they like that yeah i want my music to sound kind of like this band then I have a, a good idea of how to produce that, mm -hmm. and and that's usually not very difficult to to, to do. Uh, but if the, the artist has no idea what he wants, he or she wants to sound like, then it's really makes my job harder. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to the studio and you've got, let's say, all you have is, you know, your scratch track of your song and your vocal, but you have no idea how you want to sound like. You want to you want it to sound like a country genre. Do you want it to be a jazz thing when you want it to be uh, alternative rock or whatever if you don't know that then figure that out beforehand yeah. so that your it makes your producer's job a lot easier yeah and even like i said have a reference track of somebody to listen to that okay yeah i see what you want to go for no problem we can do that and then that's my job to, to create those uh those tracks the, the drum track on, on the midi and then the drum track for the bass and maybe we want to add some other keyboard parts like a, some synth pads or whatever stuff like that but that comes later once the vocal track is and the vocal and everything is pretty much nailed down then we add those other other parts just to help support that that vocal track yeah and uh what else and then uh once uh you know final uh pre-production is all finalized then then I'll go back and I'll I'll learn the bass part that I created in MIDI and actually record it in with a real bass guitar. Yeah, because that adds so much more uh, life to the to the whole thing. And if if the budget, uh, if in a in an artist's budget can afford it, they could hire a drummer to. Uh, yeah, like what we did. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, to 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 re record a drum track to it. And I gotta admit, in my studio, I it's not the ideal place to record a, a drum track because it's in a basement and it's just a low ceiling and there's uh you know we've tried different things to get a good drum sound we did manage to pull off a pretty good drum sound for for Zaran's album here uh, yeah we lucked in out in my basement yeah because it all has to do with how the drums are being played as well not just uh, how you set up all your drum mics but how the drummer is playing it and uh, for a drummer in the studio it's a whole different way of playing 
compared to in a live show. Live show, they're smashing the hell out of their cymbals. Yeah. In a studio, you've got to like almost barely touch your cymbals, but hit your shells really hard in order to not get so much bleed into your shell mics yeah. from the cymbals. That's the biggest problem. So there's a lot of drummers now that uh, have their own studio set up and have worked all that shit out. And you can just hire, send them your, your uh, uh, like a, a rough uh, stereo mix of your track and, and they'll play, they'll record the drums in their studio and then, you, then they can send it back to your producer and they can, you know, finish yeah. it off kind of thing. There's that possibility too. But, you know, n- not a lot of people want to spend a hundred dollars an hour going into a, a pro commercial studio like there's several of them in Edmonton that are actually very nice. Yeah. Like like at uh, Department 9 with uh, Stu. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot goes into music production that people just have no clue about. Oh, my God. And like, even when I, when I asked you, because um, we finished our third album um, opening, which was um, instrumental, and uh, and I was like, man, I want to sing. I want to, I want to level up. Like that's where I want to go. And uh, so then, pitching a rock album, um, I had no idea. And then over the course of the two years, it's like, as much as I learned, there's still, like, I I think I like maybe, like, no two percent of the 98% of what you did, you know, of like everything you did in Reaper and um, what's the other program? Reason. Reason. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, charting it out and, you know, there's so much on the back end just within software that is just a whole fucking world. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And everybody go to Zoran's website and listen to Mystical Rhythms. Yeah. If you haven't yet, like check it out. Yeah, so, and all my music, uh, I just, I found out, too, it's all on YouTube. All of the music is on YouTube. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, it's like, it's that thing when you look up an artist and it says topic. Right, yeah, YouTube creates those yeah. themselves. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, you can find it, in, uh, and it's on my music page. Like, it's like Zornunda Music. So, it's not just the topic. It's like, when you, I think it's through... Um, um, CD Baby. It's like YouTube is one of the options. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, um, Apple Music, um, Napster, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and um, and you can also find John Atonic on YouTube. There's some stuff I did past. Uh, I don't really put new things on there uh, recently. Uh, but you can check out some of the stuff I've done. Uh, mostly my my original stuff and some other. Uh, there was an interesting uh, scoring competition that I that I uh, entered. That I was. Oh really, yeah, really, that's right. I remember that. The uh, what was it called? Now it was Hans, it was Hans Zimmer scoring competition for for this TV series. Uh, the uh, what the hell was that called? I can't. Remember. Anyway. Oh yeah, I remember. That, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so maybe let's play something. Yeah, let's do some music. Yeah. So yeah, what are you thinking? Where should we start? Um, let's do, um, when we were at, uh, Open Mic, and we did those, like, jazz. Yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, okay. So we do uh, D minor seven. To a G seven flat nine. Oh my God, I gotta remember these. Or a G thirteen flat nine. So just start with a G7. If you start with a G7, and then you raise raise the the G note on the bottom up a semitone, that's your flat nine. So you're putting a flat nine on the bass, yeah. which is a really like it's uh, not a very common thing, especially in in popular music. But in jazz, it's you know it's pretty common. Like the bass player will play the flat nine. And then the upper part of the chord is that would be the thirteen. So your your notes for the the thirteen is a so an F to a B to an E, just those three notes to an E. There you go. So now just figure out a way to finger that with. Yeah, there you go, and that's your your G thirteen flat nine. There we go. Yeah, and then what we're doing now, and to a C major seven after that one. So it's basically a two five one progression, with the, the altered five being a flat nine. To a C major seven, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's, you know, you can more advance that to, to add even more passing chords, like the D minor seven. You could go to a D minor nine flat five. And then the G. Seven G thirteen flat nine. Then you go to a G seven flat nine. So you're just lowering the thirteen down to the five, and then a C major seven. You go from the C major seven to a C major nine. It should be something like that. So just listen. I'll I'll play it and you just hear. Well, so this is the basic three chords and you add in the passing chords so D minor 7 D, D minor 9 flat 5 G7 G13 I probably won't even do the nine. passing notes the passing chords yeah I'm just doing it for example and yeah. then to the G7 flat 9 C major 7 C major 9 and then uh, call that a C sharp diminished or you could call that a C7 yeah. Flat nine. So when I said John is a fucking wizard on guitar, <laughs> like this is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. So and we'll we'll hear it. I'm already fucking out. <laughs> 
Oh, no F-sharps in this court. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it so much. Like, um, yeah, I really feel music and guitar um, is, in and of itself, music is like its own spiritual practice, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can look at everything that's become dogmatic and systematic, but when you look at um, what music inherently does, um, it produces... It just produces a whole other state of being that connects you to like your higher self or God or whatever. And um, I remember this quote that I read. Um, I don't remember who the producer was, or not producer, a composer and pianist. But he says um, he was asked, um, like, why does he make music? And he says, um, I make music for the people. I make music for myself, and I make music for God that nobody hears. I think it was Bach that said that. Was it Bach? Could have been. Yeah. Um, and that just like always stuck with me because then when I sit down and I play by myself, a lot of the time I'm improvising and there's just this noticeable flow state that I get into where I'm playing melodies that I'll never be able to reproduce. Like, even if I, like, I can sit down and record it and be like, oh, sweet. But sometimes I just don't even want to. It's like, this is just fleeting. This is just mm -hmm. to go out in my, like, reverence for this fucking thing that's in my hands yeah. and what I'm connecting to. It's That's it. It's gone. Oh, um, so so much of this happened in the past, especially, you know, you smoke a little weed and you start jamming around. And then, you know, oh, I wish I would have recorded that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the reason why it's a spiritual practice in itself is because it puts you in the moment. Mm. You can't be anywhere else except oh, in the yeah. moment with... This note right here, and where am I going next? Okay, right there. You know, it's like you're always just in the moment. And yeah. I mean, you could say that anything that keeps you in the moment is a spiritual practice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it's powerful, right? Like, it's changed my life. And it's something, and I notice that <clears throat> we have cultural commitments, right? So we have, like, marriage we have our jobs, career, and 
But there's something about making a commitment that's scary, right? Like when people get married, they like they have this anxiety, mm-hmm. right, about it because of the thought of forever until death do us part, right? And then even like my brother one day, because um, like my brother and I worked together in a company, and like he was like, "Oh yeah, like uh, I'm setting this up so that you have." you know, something for the next 25 years of your life. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? 25 (laughs) fucking years. And it like, and it hit me and I'm like, Oh, because like as an adult, like that is, that becomes your reality of like looking long-term for things. And so guitar was the one thing at an early age I knew. And I was fully prepared and comfortable with taking it on as a lifelong endeavor. I was like, I have my first guitar tattooed on my leg. It's like, (laughs) You know, and um, and so as scary as it is, how it makes sense as a spiritual practice is because you won't stop learning. Like even the greatest musicians, you, like you were telling me the other day, like just yesterday, you were like, "Yeah, man, like I fucking learned like a chord that I know, but in a new whole new place." Yeah, that I never a, fucking a, knew a sharp sharp eleven chord, which you know my. my my that's my the way i played it for forever yeah and that's on like the higher like four strings right yeah but i learned a new voicing for it that i'd never seen before which goes like that so you're adding a seventh and then the third there and then the sharp 11 on top yeah and that works really well with uh, i was playing around with that going from a e minor seven to (coughs) to e minor nine flat five and then again to that that a a 13 flat uh nine chord to the a seven flat nine and then from there to the sharp 13 which is really cool sorry and i still haven't got the fingering quite down on it yet but that's how it sounds and then to this c major seven which is a really neat uh yeah interesting harmony yeah like change <laughs> to get the resolve right yeah yeah because yeah. you're you're when you every chord is like okay what uh, i'm playing this chord now where's my next chord and where's the next chord i'm playing leading me to like mm. when when you go into more complicated uh, like kind of jazz stuff i mean with you know with pop music it's like a minor f okay well c you know like it's a pretty standard yeah six four one five progression that you don't really have to think of okay well where's the f leading to well we just know it's going to there right yeah. <laughs> and then the c's going there, and then we're back to the beginning again another really common uh pop music progression is just six five four and then to a dominant three leading back to or just you know the most common yeah in the world right stairway sweet um yeah that's yeah just another thing about uh when you're uh it's good to know like you don't have to know like the whole 
uh, Walter Piston Harmony book, you know, 600-page Harmony book from start to finish. Like, if you just understand some of the most basic things, like you've got your scale degrees in C major scale. So C is 1, D is 2, E is 3, F is 4, G is 5, A is 6, B is 7, and you're back to 1. And then <clears throat> knowing knowing how to... Uh, Okay, I'm 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 trying to learn a new song and I'm hearing you know Okay, I recognize that as a 6 to a 4, right? And, and knowing the 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 number system that way you can easily just uh communicate that with uh other musicians like yeah, it's a 6 2 1 5 progression in the key of E. Yeah. E. And that's the next thing for me too is that uh, we we're talking about, um, especially now that like we're going to open mics and uh, on Sundays at River City Revival, shout out to them, that uh, they have like an open jam with a sweet house band. So then even like showing up with the charts and being like, okay, here's the song, here's the chart. So even if they just look at it and they go, oh, okay, they just see the chords, they might not even have to see the chart again, you know? Like yeah, exactly. Dennis yeah. and uh, like Nikki Dubs and Aaron, like. They're fucking awesome. Like, mm -hmm. and they even played with me when I didn't have the charts, and I was like, I just showed them the riffs, and I'm like, yeah, this is just what I'm gonna play. Follow along, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's impressive, right? But um, to have like a good flow and a good jam, and to really pr like produce something awesome, right? Like, having the charts are gonna be a game changer. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna show you something that I made up. Okay. And uh, um, for you to play along with, um, it's pretty simple. And then this is where it changes. Whoa, that's pretty complicated there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got the first chord, A minor. Yeah, A minor, uh, E minor, G major. Okay, so you're going to a to E minor, not a A7. <laughs> Or e minor. A, A9, I mean, because that, that could also be an A9. Like no, just uh, E minor. And then uh, G major, and then... And then to B minor, you went up to B minor. So, so okay, start again, A minor, E minor. E minor, right to G major. Is that G major? Yeah. Yeah. And then to... Oh, to an E minor nine. Yeah. And then these two chords. Okay, so D seven to B minor. Yep. Seven. And then right back. And to the E minor nine. And then to this. Sounds like this.
Okay, the only chord that kind of, I don't know, is that D7. That, that's kind of like, to, to me, I don't like it. Maybe just a straight D instead of a D7. See how that sounds. No, right there where you play a D7. I don't do that because I like how it sounds between these three chords. Because the problem with the D7 is it's the 5 of G. Is that a problem, though? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just a tech, in technical terms. Yeah. like. It's not, not, um, I'm just thinking about, um, because we want to, uh, we're establishing that the key is, is E, E minor or G major, relative, yeah. right? So, G, uh, one sharp, right? Uh, which, all the chords fall within that, no problem, but. So again, it was A minor. So we're going from two to six. So two, six, and then what was the next one again? And then one, right? Two, six, one, and then start. Yeah, run that by me again. Two, six, one, six. So yeah, okay, so from here, so that's what I'm saying, just, just try the D major there. Yeah, the D7 in a way, like it does in a way, kind of act as a as a cadence to the B minor seven. Like in in a weird way, it does work. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why I like it. But it's not a choice I would make. Maybe the, a D9 would sound even better. This is where you're just gonna have to. Put your genius at play and see what you can play along with. But you know this kind of thing is is hard to improvise over this kind mm. of thing because yeah because there's uh, but I'll, I'll give it a shot now that I'm more familiar with it so okay go for it yeah.
yeah basically what i did there sucked but <laughs> like i said that those kind of changes are really they're actually very challenging to like for a, a changes like that you want to figure out guitar parts you don't want to just yeah. okay go you know jam you know like yeah it doesn't work unless you're like i mean i'd have to work with this a lot more to be able to just freely improvise over those changes because mm. they are very uh, unconventional even for jazz it's yeah. unconventional like if you were to yeah. consider it jazz and if i had a middle name that would be my no- <laughs> name <laughs> Un- <laughs> just like Zoran just, unconventional uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's my other podcast <laughs> oh man yeah man. all right maybe um let's try one more let's um uh If you want to start something Throw out. Throw something? Yeah. Okay, here's an, another one. I, I uh, It was originally... Breathe. Breathe in the air. So I took all the chords of that, and I came up with some jazz chords to create a new song based on the chord progression of that song. So... So similar to what we did before, except a few other changes. So starting at E minor seven to that E minor nine with the flat five there. So So if you could play a key over it, what uh what could you play? Uh we're in uh seven um <laughs> I just went blank there. Yeah. So uh, uh, a D major. D major would be the scale. So E minor would be E Dorian scale. Mm. Has that 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 C sharp, which is part of that A seven chord. So yeah, D major. But then you know the flat nine or the flat five there that adds a, uh, an accidental chord. That's not chord note that's not in the key of D. Yeah. That's the nature like of jazz, right? Flavoring, yeah. And then and it does a that new chord I uh, that sharp eleven seven sharp eleven and then to a C major seven C major nine B minor seven <coughs> uh, B minor nine then to F major seven to an F altered. To a G, thirteen flat nine, and then to D seven. Uh, you could call that a D sharp finished, and then back to the E minor seven. So you know it's a little more compli- complicated there, but, but uh, yeah, yeah. Something simple. Play something simple, so I can solo let's with do you. Something more simple. Okay, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's get something more uh, standard. <clears throat> okay. Uh. A minor to D minor. Sometimes you only need two songs, two chords for a song. Yeah. So like C major, so basically. Yeah. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Enough sharp, sorry. So I threw in another chord there, going to the from the four to the five with a sharp nine. So E seven sharp nine. I guess we can end it there and uh yeah i think there's a whole fucking world to discover and it's a that's a crazy thing about the music like just the state of music 
today, right? And we've had this conversation before where it's like, sometimes you wake up and you're like, fuck, why are we even doing this still? You know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. but I think the advantage with like social media and stuff like that and just putting it out there is um, because we're not vying for like top 10 everything, right? Billboards that the level of competition is actually pretty low. Like people are going to hear this. People are going to share it. People are going to stumble upon the music, right? And so there's this book that I used to read when I was a kid. It was like a Disney book. And it was um, uh, Donald Duck racing Goofy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Donald Duck had this fucking race car, right? And uh, Goofy had this like beat up little car. And Goofy would always say, uh, slow and steady, steady and slow. That's the way we always go, Hmm. right? Steady and slow, slow and steady, steady and slow. That's the way we always go. And then, like, because Donald Duck um, had this race car, he, like, booked it as fast as he could, and then he took a nap and, like, jumped on a train and, like, you know, did all these things, and then he ended up losing to the guy. Who just in his car, staying on the road, staying in his lane, steady and slow, slow and steady, steady and slow. That's the way we always go, and ends up winning, right? So like, I think, um, that, yeah, that's an adaptation of the tortoise and the hare story. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. And and so when I look at like our progression, there was like growing pains. You know, it's like kinks that you have to work out, and then now it's like okay, now we work towards, like, setting up systems. And so that the music, when it does go out, it's out in the package, and it can, you know, it's promoted, it's, you know, there's, like, advertising and marketing, and so that it'll just go out to the people. And then because there's it's there's so many fucking people using social media and, like, these platforms, that gaining an audience and, like, gaining a fan base... Um, isn't actually, and it's like, it's not as hard as what it would have been in the past of the grind of. You have to go on getting, tour for Yeah, and like and you said earlier, like, I don't, we don't have a band. It's just you and I. Yeah. We make all the fucking music. And so there's this advantage of, okay, well, do we have to get a band? Do we have to do all these crazy live shows? Do we have to go on the road and do all these things? Or is it actually possible, like with Leah McHenry? Like, can we just make music and put it out there and gain a fan base and people love what they do and they, it creates a demand over time. And, you know, as long as we are playing the game of like the system of, you know, when we upload, getting onto playlists, um, having content, putting out the content and um, having fun with it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the question for me, for me for the question, you know, yeah, get up and why am I doing this? It's like, well, why not? And because I can, right? Yeah. And you just have to get out of your head. It's taken me a while to really come to terms with that. Is that, yeah, I'm not going to get rich and famous doing music. And the most 99% of you out there doing that uh, are going to fall into that same category. You're not going to get rich and famous doing it. Yeah. But you do it because you love it and because you can. And yeah. it's so accessible to you. And 
and uh, you know whatever you can do to to, to acquire a fan base and and put yourself out there, great. But don't have expectations that oh I'm going to quit quit my day job and go on tour like uh, yeah no <laughs> it, yeah it's like I was saying earlier like I don't want to quit my day job you know like and um and so you know if where my focus is and making money off of it is like figuring out the game and the system so that there is royalties that come in there is you know and it's like there is recognition for the music that we're putting out there and the journey is and i I'd just like to wrap this up like where my story is is that i would rather show my progression of getting better through my music than just showing up the best and then going downhill because that's what happens to a lot of musicians. They like their first album is like first two or three albums are their best albums ever. And then you listen to the rest of your music and you're like, well, because you fucking did it and you made three banging albums with the best music you can ever make. Everything after that is just repetition. It's mm-hmm. just the same. It, it Like we were, I was listening to sticks earlier today and I was like, man, they are competing with themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what ends up happening. It's like you listen to their later albums, and you're like, "Yeah, you like." It's just you can feel that they're trying to make hits like they did. And I would rather be the opposite way of like I show my progression of getting better and better and better, so that like the fan base comes along in this journey of like, you know, the ones that really liked it, liked it, and I gained new ones you know, over time. And so then say if I have the opportunity, we do do a show, you know, like we meet a drummer and a bass player and another guitarist or something, or I hire a band, you know, like say, um, Mm -hmm. like Dennis and, um, and Nikki, like say I'm playing open mics with them and I go, Hey, you know, I'm going to do a album release. Do you want to like, we can hire you as a band. Like chances are they'll be like, yeah, sure. Cause we already play your fucking music. We already Mm -hmm. know it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and then to, oh, I totally lost my train of thought, but, um, yeah, to have fun with it, for sure. Um, yeah, and that there's, there's no need for competition, like, that's what I, that's what I've decided for myself. It's like, I don't want to feel like I need to compete with other bands and I can grow. We can grow a fan base and do it within our own control. Right. Cause you know, like I don't want to get recognized and then have a fucking record label come up to me and be like, Oh, you know, like we'll sign you for whatever. And then they just take control of my life. Like, that's what happens. Like, mm-hmm. they literally take control of your life because you are plugged into their machine of touring artists, right? Record label comes up to you, and they're like, oh, yeah, we think you're fucking hot, man. Like, you know, sign this contract. And then they're then I'm just showing up on stage playing these songs, and I'm like, is this what I wanted to do, you know, and have no creative control? That's why with us, it's like, yeah, I can show you something, and if it doesn't work, you're there to just say, hey, like, when I play the bass and when you play your chord and when you have your vocal line here, there's a note that doesn't match up. So you have to change something. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, ooh, I didn't, I don't like those lyrics. You know, like, 
um, you should dress this way, you know, because that's what's going to happen if mm-hmm. I assign to a thing. They're like, well, you know, I think we think you'd be better as a country artist. So here's some country songs. Learn them. We're going to record them, and we're going to put that out, right? So it's like yeah, I'm just being used. We're mm-hmm. like here um, – you know, like Ryan's wrapping up a song called The Dream, which I think is like fucking awesome, right? And I'm so excited to hear it and um and that wouldn't fly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when I first showed you the riffs, you're like, Oh my god, how are we gonna fucking do this? <laughs> and then by the end of it, we're like, you know, like that was like I think that was the benefit of writing all the music first and not doing the lyric stuff. Because then when we came back to it to edit it, we're like, oh, we can change this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden it just like something came out that we didn't have before. And it turned into like a whole new thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, uh, my final thoughts is just that. Um, stay in the moment. And do the things that are most difficult to do the things that you don't want to do are the things that you need to do yeah uh to try to break through the initial resistance of doing them like for example and it it might not be just you know anything to do with creativity or music or or exercise or spiritual practice or anything it could be something like for me it's like cleaning the fucking bathroom cleaning my toilet I was gonna say, yeah. If you uh, if you refuse to wipe, wipe. You know, you probably smell like poo. You know, it's something that you don't want to do. Yeah, just do yeah, it. Yeah, clean the bathroom. I, I, I just watch a, a little short by Kevin O'Leary there. Sometimes you know he has good advice. He says, you know, we all have things that we hate to do that we don't want to do that we know we need to get done, and a good strategy to get those done is. Uh, you know, take the biggest thing that needs to get done and do that first thing in the day when you've got all your energy and all your momentum for that day going and get that done. And then, you know, you're sa- smooth sailing for the rest of the day. So I'll try that tomorrow. I'll get up and I'll go and clean the fucking toilet. First thing, I get, as soon as I get up, that's the first thing I'm going to do tomorrow is clean the fucking toilets. <laughs> <laughs> and Zoran, I want you to call me and say, did you clean the toilets this morning? <laughs> That's my weekly check. We, that's, that's my weekly check in with John. Hey, John. Yeah, and that's the next thing uh, I want to leave you with is yeah, have someone who can hold you accountable. Yeah. Because, uh, like, I do some day trading, and there's a, a trader called uh, Trader Tom, and and he makes a good point about that. He says, yeah, as as traders, uh, we don't have somebody sitting uh, watching over our shoulder, like you know, like the traders at uh, Goldman Sachs or or you know these yeah. big institutions you know we don't have a compliance manager standing over our shoulder and saying okay john I, I think you've done enough damage today you've lost us uh two million dollars so uh, you know time to take a break so they pull you off the trading desk right we don't have that in our life but we but we can certainly have someone that we're we're working together with on a project or whatever to help keep us accountable or you know whether even if it's our yoga teacher or whoever in whatever uh, thing that we're we're trying to uh, progress in to keep us accountable in that yeah I, this is my my goal short term you know do short term goals like i want to i want to go from you know xyz to xyz abc uh 
to the next level and and uh, and be there to support each other. When you're accountable to somebody else, then yeah. it's going to increase your performance. But make sure that you you don't resent being accountable. Yeah. Because if you start resenting being accountable to somebody, then that's just a recipe yeah. for disaster. Yeah, that's how it's been for me. Like, you've put me on the spot to see how I would take on being accountable for if I'm going to tell you like, okay, I'm going to like learn these things on guitar. I'm going to learn these things with my voice that I stay true to it because like, um, you know, when, when I started working with you, um, you had someone else that you were, I'm not going to name the person, but uh, there's someone else that you were recording with that eventually just like couldn't, couldn't be accountable, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And just because of lifestyle and whatever. And, and and that, I want to address that a little bit too. Is And it's, again, it has to do with expectations. Yeah. Don't have expectations set so high that you're setting yourself up for failure, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and that was the thing, like, um, uh, that was the fear that I had. I asked myself that, like, okay, taking on doing this album um, and learning all these new things, am I setting myself up for failure? And the answer was like, yes and no, where, um, I was going to experience small failures that would help me understand how I maintain accountability. Mm -hmm. So as long as I don't see the small failures as some big failure, because we'll conflate things. I just made sure I wasn't conflating things that if I wasn't if I still wasn't grasping like the ear training if I still wasn't grasping like some of the theory stuff that I only I saw them as small failures along the way that um you know I just gave myself the benefit of doubt like you know what? it's going to take me a little bit more time and um and it worked out amazing because then um I you know came out of it on the other end and we have music done like that's the important thing we have music done we did it and now it's getting it out there. And then now it's like making more and refining and refining and refining. And like the accountability is actually going to help you with refining mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So right. on a final note here. <laughs> thanks around for having me on there. Yeah. Take you're care. very welcome, man. Uh, um, Tell everybody uh, just like where they can find you. You have your website. Um. Atonicmusic.com. It's not a site that is uh, for commercial use. Uh, there's You can listen to and download tracks there. It's my music publishing company site. And it's primarily uh, there for music supervisors to look for uh, music that they want to put in films or TV and advertising and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I have several artists there, Zoran being one of them, signed to that company, to my publishing company, and uh, re- represent them for sync licensing, <clears throat> which is sync license is a license that a, a, a film or TV production needs to purchase from the artist through the through the publisher to put that music in in film or TV or yeah. advertising and. Uh, there's some stu- some uh, most of what's on there has been released also for commercial purposes by the artists themselves 
and there's some stuff on there that isn't uh, hasn't been released commercially uh like some of my original orchestral music that i that i write and a few other projects <clears throat> and then um and there's no no you don't have to pay anything to listen to any of the songs on yeah. there again because it's not for a commercial purpose a retail commercial purpose and i also have a soundcloud account that i haven't really done anything new on for a long time john tonic on soundcloud and there's my youtube channel john tonic and then there's atonics.soundhouse is my instagram yeah uh, handle and i'd say if um you're local or if you're looking for affordable production um go to his instagram and message him and um uh yeah because that's where we recorded everything in uh, his uh, studio um i would say if you're looking for a final mixed and mastered song that we did you can go to my um spotify or apple music and look up the song favors so look up zoranunda look up favors and you'll get a good sense of what we do and what John is capable of doing and putting. Yeah, and the mixing together. for that song and the rest of the songs that were being released are are being mixed by my son Ryan, who's also a mixing engineer and is in a band called King Theory, playing guitar and uh, also has uh, put in quite a few hours of education into mixing, engineering, and the whole production uh, cycle and and processes and. Uh, He's like a part of our team as well. And, yeah, uh, Ryan's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super looking forward to uh, the future and uh, what we got going. So, thank you everybody for listening. This was uh, um, a show of improvisation and some shenanigans and uh, and yeah, some really good conversations and bits on what it means to have a spiritual practice. So. Um, Thank you for listening. Have uh, a wonderful uh, rest of your day. Can, can I just tell a joke? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Finish off with my joke. I had a dream last night that I, I, I made up a joke in my dream, and then, and then I woke up and said, well, is that even a thing? And uh, <laughs> what was it again? <laughs> yeah. It was uh, uh, Joe and his buddy Bob were walking down the street, and uh, Joe says, uh, Bob says to Joe, hey, let's go for coffee. And uh, Joe says, Nay, Bob. <laughs> Nay, Bob. <laughs> and that's where Joe turned into a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, is there a, such a coffee named Nay, Bob? And I thought, and I looked up, yeah, of course there is. And it was like buried in my subconscious mind from when I was a kid. I think my parents used to drink Nay, Bob. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There's your cheesy joke. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right. I got another one, but uh, a, a guy who just got a divorce and, uh, you know, has a son on the weekends kind of thing and asks the son, hey, Hey son, like, does my wife, ex-wife, does she miss me? Uh, like, you know, be, and he says, "Well, I have to be honest, she does miss you, but her aim's getting better." <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, John will be doing stand-up <laughs> at the Comedy Cellar uh, downtown at 7 p.m. tonight. If you believe it, come down, folks, and check out John Donna. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good night, guys. Right, good night. Have a good day wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy. <laughs>